What's up, Bellowettos? We're so excited for summer, and we can't wait to try Bud Light Seltzer's new hard soda variety pack with the loudest flavors ever. I like that sound effect, Frank. Hard seltzer with the pop of soda. Yeah, believe that. All right? You get the, all the satisfying sweetness of soda pop with the refreshment of hard seltzer. And they're doing this all with zero sugar, y'all. Wow. It seems like most of the things I like have sugar in it. So thank you, Bud Light Hard Soda, for not having for having zero nada. Wow. All right? Nothing. No sugar. Um, and look, these are the perfect seltzers to enjoy with friends all summer long. I've been doing a whole Bud Light Hard Soda Variety Pack tour. Like, I've been bringing it everywhere I go. To wow. the pool. To the beach. To the To the lake. Wow. So the I even take it to the um you know the water the 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 fire pumps in the city and stuff where <laughs> Wow with your with your little beach chair right there. Huh? I get a little beach chair, all right. I cozy up next to the you know the 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 the, the fire pump and you know and just get a little that's how we do it in New York. And I just have my little Bud Light Seltzer hard soda with me. Um Frank, I want to know what your favorite flavor is. Jamie, I've always said it. I can't believe you don't remember. It's the classic cola, dude. I mean, the classic cola is like, I'm really hooked on this thing. Like, I, I got to be careful because like, it really tastes like actual cola and it could just get me there. But it's just delicious. And the pop that it gives you it gives you this extra pop. I mean, I got my swag bag. I don't know if you got yours. I did. Some thank people, you. We want to thank you, Bud Light Hard Soda. Yes. Thank you, Bud Light. For sending you know, us. Seltzer Hard Soda. You guys are there. You know, you guys have been doing it for me this, this, this whole summer. Thank you so much. Jer, uh, Jamie, again, the classic, the classic, the classic cola. Uh, we're not. That's neither here or there. Yeah. Okay. And I got my hat and I got my tie dye shirt and I've been wow. rocking it to the beach. So you're going all out. Yeah. You're going all out. Yes. That, yeah. The, the hat is really helping me because you know it's been really sweltering out here in New York and the hat is really helping me. So shout out to them again. Really thank you guys and you know what a great start to this summer. It's great. We've been drinking a lot of it. We've been drinking all the flavors. So you have to trust us. And if you want to find a retailer who delivers right to your door, head over to BudLight.com to learn more. Bud Light Seltzer, the loudest flavors ever. Yeah. Uh, enjoy responsibly messaging for 21 and over. Yo, 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 yo. Este episodio de Latinos Out Loud es traído a ustedes por McDonald's. McDonald's es más que un lugar de comida sabrosa. Es un lugar donde la gente conecta. No necesitamos otra razón para reunirnos en McDonald's, pero el crew sigue dándonos más. Si tengo que manejar una milla extra para llegar a McDonald's, lo hago. Es tu gente, tu comunidad y tu relación con el crew de McDonald's lo que hace que sea tú McDonald's. Yo, you know, cuando yo salí embarazada, I had constant cravings para el Chicken McNuggets. Y yo fui a McDonald's ahí en la 85, en el Upper East Side aquí, y every time me saludaba una, un miembro del crew de McDonald's, una miembra, and she was so sweet and so nice. And she knew exactly lo que yo quería, lo 10-piece de McNuggets. Ya tú sabes, and I would eat four of them en camino a la casa, y I would have the other six when I got home. So gracias a las amigas mías ahí en McDonald's del Upper East Side para siempre, ya tú sabes, ayudarme cuando yo salía embarazada con los cravings que yo tenía. Gracias. McDonald's me encanta y me encanta McDonald's. 
Yo, 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 LOLeros. Hi, hi, hi. Uh, how are you? Good. How's the summer? Good, good. Good to hear. Well, okay, check this out. Um, We are presenting our favorites, favoritos, the ones that we like, the episodes. And it's so hard to choose my favorite from season 10 because all of our guests, all of our shows, all of our conversations, they just, they really entertain me. Chuta. Like being a part of it is one thing, but then when I listen to the episode, like driving around my dad's car or like, you know, while I'm doing exercise at the gym or, you know, like in the shower. Is that weird that I listen to our podcast in the shower? I'm asking myself. Um, I'll get back to me. Uh, it might be. Um, but it's not like sexual or anything. Not at all. I mean, I'm, you know, showers. Okay, I'm going to go on to the next topic. Um, what we're here for, what we're gathered here today to talk about is my favorite episode from season. Yes. Okay, so my favorite, actually, I know Frank's was about an immersive experience. Mine was, too, in a way, because I met this guest out in Napa, California, when I went out there for the Latino Hive. And then I was immersed in his restaurant, 99th Floor, which is the cannabis-infused chef experience. So... In essence, I was immersed. There was this surround sound approach to this partnership, friendship we now have with Chef Migs. And I really enjoyed talking to Chef Miguel Trinidad, who started out his career at like many restaurants in New York City, the hustle, the hustle, and then decided to develop a specialty in Filipino cuisine. And was killing it in the Filipino cuisine scene. You know what I mean? We could do this all day. I rap, but I don't rap. You know what I mean? Like, I could rap, but I can't. You feel me. You get me. You smell me. So then he went on to take his passions and combining them, literally, like putting them all in a pot and mixing them all together, emphasis on pot, and created 99th Floor. So I want to present to you one of my favorite episodes uh, is with Chef Migs. But wait, I have to just sneak this in. I'm sorry. I know I was supposed to only pick one. I'm sorry. Sue me. You know, talk to my lawyer. Sue me. You know, it's not like I'm violating any rules here. I'm going to throw something else in the mix because what I'm really proud of from season 10 is that basically we opened the puerta to the non-Latino guests. Like we've had non-Latino guests who I will call Latino A-E-X-Y allies because I feel like all of them have been elevating our culture. Um, but this time we were like, you know what? Latinos are consuming some of these things in the theaters, on the networks, on the streamers. So we should have them on this show. Because if Latinos are watching them on television and on screens, then they should want to hear stuff from behind the scenes. And I'm going to keep rhyming because that's just where it is. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I've been inspired. I've been seeing some spoken word poetry. Shout out to the New Eureka Poets Cafe. I've been exposed lately. Um, 
So I want to shout out the episodes where we interviewed guests like Paul Manganiello, who is an, an ally of ours. He's married to Sofia Vergara. Hello. A little Vergara now. A little Vergara now. You know what I mean? So that's a great connect. And also at the same time, we interviewed Dominic Moynihan. You know him from Lord of the Rings. Must protect the rings. You know him. Um, and then we also had these jackasses from Jackass. We had Wee Man Ocaño, who's the little guy. We had Preston Lacey. So... I just feel like I, I really enjoyed talking to those guests. So check out all those episodes if you haven't already. And if you have, you could recheck them out. Because I swear to God, like, it's like the Beyonce Renaissance album. Every time I listen to it, and I think I'm on my, like, I would say 91st time, 91, 92, listening to this new Renaissance album already. Every time I listen to it, I hear something different. Like, every song, I'm like, oh, Oh, that's a sample done a summer. Oh, that's a sample. Like, you know what I mean? So that's kind of like the Latinos Out Loud podcast. I'm not comparing us to Beyonce. I would never, ever disrespect Queen B. But I will say that it's of the same caliber when you're looking at good comedy on the airwaves in the podcast stratosphere. Oh, and before we get to my favorite episodes, I just want to make this connection real quick is that like I'm so proud to be Dominican, especially right now, right here, right now, because this weekend was Dominican or I would say the week last week was Dominican week here in New York City. Frank, it was lit. It was Litty lit. Titty. It was, I mean, I haven't slept in two days. I mean, I don't know. I the merengue de bachata is like still ringing in my ears. I can't get it out of my head. I love it. So we got invited and I went and represented for the Latinos Out Loud podcast to the mayor's backyard. He had an, a beautiful event, Mayor Eric Adams, in his patio, on his patio. He welcomed us to his house. It's not the first time I've been to this event, but it's the first time I've been to this event with a different mayor. Um, mm. Last mayor who... You know, we know who our last mayor was, uh, did it a certain way. And then Mayor Adams did it a different way. It was great. It was so much fun. Um, you know, shout out to security. Shout out to all the Dominicans that Mayor Adams actually has on staff. You know, oh. from Idanis Rodriguez to okay. I met someone named Mio Sotis, who's her li the liaison to the Latino community. Um, and they were up there. Shout out to Denise Adams. Uh, no relation, I don't think, but she's also on staff and she really looks out for us let me tell you that lady whenever i see her at an event she just without me asking looks out you know those people that yeah. it's like come here come here follow me follow me yeah. and you're like wait yeah. i don't i don't need I, it's okay i'll wait online I'll, I'll do you know what i mean and she they don't even you don't even have to say hi i rolled up and you know my friends yaya and mark were online waiting and the line for security is deep, you know? And I swear, I she was there. She said, come on, let's go. And I'm like, where are we going? She's like, just callate, let's go. And I was like, Damn, okay. Damn, you got juice like that? She got you through? Oh, oh, snap. She said, hold on, you Rachel from the Latinos Out Loud podcast? Well, come right here. Well, come this look, way. I am, I am a resident of the Upper East Side. I'm very close to Carl Schroes Park right here. So I do often jog around the mayor's house. And I probably give the security some really nice things to look at. Um, um, while jogging, of course. So um, shout out to Mayor yeah. Eric Adams and his just celebration of Dominican heritage culture. And you know what? You know who performed, Frank? Ruby, Pe 
Ruby Perez. Oh my God. Ruby Perez. Yep. Wow. And our boy, former guest of the Latinos Ala podcast, Raydel Ortiz, was honored. Oh. Honored wow. by the mayor of the city of New York. Shout out to Raydel wow. Ortiz. His mom was in the building. Oh, man. The mom was there too. Okay. Wow. It that's, was a that's moment. Huge. There was huge. a lot of Dominicans there. And it was wow, lovely. Yeah. Shout out to Eddie from Dusa, Dominicanos USA, who's also a supporter of this podcast. I'm saying, though, I went to this event and I felt the love and I had to represent. I love and to rhyme on this podcast. For some reason, I can't rhyme outside of the podcast. <laughs> I can only rhyme on the podcast. It's so weird. Um, but yeah, shout out to them. I just wanted to do that real quick. And it's just Rachel, like you overall. Have, you have, I mean, you should talk about the after party and then you should talk about how you woke up the next morning, too. You know what I mean? You Yo, had why, a, why, Frank? Why yo, are you putting me on blast I, we gotta right now? We got to talk about why, all of it. Frank? We got to talk about all of it. We It was a long. It's it wasn't up, just Frank. a. Nah, I don't be putting just, you out there like that. I don't. <laughs> no, nah, but you have fun. You have fun. I mean, when you called me, I could hear it in your voice that oh, it was a Lord. long night. And you, you know that voice, that raspy voice that it was a like a good long night? What did I sound like? Tell me. Yo, this is such a good <laughs> You know? <laughs> it's the, I'm over here in the yard, you know? Oh, my God. Because we, yeah. oh, yeah, well, we started to do the, like, pre-birthday celebration, not, you know, planned. We roll up at the spot. Half the parade people are at the spot. So <laughs> it was like, I was like, why is everybody here? And so it was, it, the Dominicans were rolling deep on the Upper East Side to the after hours. So All shout right. out to them and everybody who got me a shot. Um, yeah, I called Frank the other next day and I was like, Frank, I know we have the, a big interview later. Um, I'm not going to sound like I smoked two packs of marble reds <laughs> later. <laughs> I know that's what I sound like. Um, uh, but by the time, and Frank told me, Frank was like, Rachel, you have a few hours, ibuprofen, Gatorade, <laughs> whatever you have to do, cartilago de tiburón, do what you got to do. But Is that what you drank? Because you were on point for the interview, huh? Thank you. The next one. Thank yeah, you. you I'm not going to give away all my secrets, but you know, yeah, it was a com it was a concoction. It was a cocktail okay. of things. All right, all right, all right. So, yeah, shout out to everybody in the mayor and all the Dominican pride in this episode and those that are my favorite. Enjoy. I've known about your brand. I'd really like to get into it, or one of them, I should say. So one of the things that you have discovered is cannabis cuisine through your brand, 99th Floor. So Ooh. if you wouldn't mind, Chef Migs, please tell our listeners all about 99th Floor. Well, thank you. And uh, yes, let me tell you a little bit about 99th Floor. I'm Miguel Trinidad. I am a born and raised New Yorker, grew up on the Lower East Side. I am one of the founding partners of 99th Floor. And what is 99th Floor, you ask? Great question. 99th Floor is a cannabis culinary dinner party. And that is just part of who we are. And we do these dinners to promote the brand to promote our edibles line, which should be released within the next year once everything is legal in New York City. Right. right. Our mission statement is to destigmatize cannabis through the universal language of food. And the nice. way we do it, the way we do it, not anybody else, the way we do it, we do it by microdosing. Mm. Okay. So it's like for all those Latinos out there, for all of our mothers, our tias, you know, that generation that has looked at 
at, at cannabis as the devil's lettuce, as you start with mm. this tecato. <laughs> it's like I wanted to change that conversation. Right. Yes. I wanted to educate people on the medicine of the plant and try to steer my Latinos away from all those pharmaceuticals that they keep pumping into our bodies to just keep yeah. us quiet. You know, it's like the medicine that we get from this plant keeps Latinos loud. Right? Wow. Keeps us alive. I like Vibrant. that. Keeps us alive. Absolutely. Yes. That's who we are. And it just keeps us there. <laughs> That's smoke. amazing. I feel yeah, high literally, already. holy smokes. Yeah, I love how you just said that. We're just we're just throwing them out there tonight. Wow. No um, we're just Frank, a bunch right? of stoners. We're just a bunch of stoners. You know what I mean? Um, okay, there's so much to unpack here. So one would hear cannabis cuisine and I don't know, think it's like your average like hot dog sprinkled with some keef. Okay. Or mm. like, you know, something simple. I just want to tell all the listeners, I'm gonna debunk that myth right now. Because what Chef Miggs cooks up is literally it's it's high quality, thought out cuisine. He also tells a story through food. You know, I peeped that. I peeped that. I was like, this is so planned that it tells a story. So could you go through like what a menu or maybe the menu that we had the other night or, or what a typical menu or average menu looks like at 99th floor? Well, just like any chef preparing a meal for, for guests, it's like I look for the best quality. So whatever strain I get that is the best quality is what determines the menu. So I take that strain. I find out what the effects are. I want to know what the terpene profile. Terpenes is the flavor profile. Mm. And that determines the menu that I come up with. Now... I want to take you on a journey and I want to play with your palate, but I also want to play with your mood. Right? Are I you want listening you to, to this? This wow. is exciting. Oh, I'm going to shut up. I got to go on word. mute. Jeez. I got to go on mute. I'm going on mute. <laughs> I'm like the Dominican Harry Potter. Okay. Ooh. I pull out the chancleta and it's like <laughs> I cast my spell and everybody is having a great time. Yes. I want to make sure that that yes. experience puts you, you know, in that mood, because I want you to feel, what's the best way of describing it? Think of it like drinking a bottle of wine or, uh, you know, uh, drinking some brugal on the weekend. It's like you're not chugging the bottle. You're going to sip it and your mood's going to change throughout the evening. Uh, it's going to enhance your mood. This is exactly what those meals are all about. I want to play with your palate. It's like I want you to take a bite and I want that finish to keep you wanting more. So you're going to want to come back for that bite. It's like once you walk out, you're like damn, I can still taste that. I want more. Right? Mm. But the effects that you get from it, it's like, you know, there, there's euphoria. We take away all inhibition. Um, we bring people out of their shells. If you're, if you're an introvert, it's like these meals and the strains that I use make you an extrovert. So like that, you can mm. talk to the people about mm. it and learn more about what it is that you're getting into, you know, and you make connections that will also last a lifetime, like me and Rachel. Wow. Yes. We we experienced so much together. It's gonna hard to it's it's hard to summarize. But I remember when we got together at this beautiful, beautiful test kitchen in a really cool part of Brooklyn. I didn't know what to expect, guys. I actually okay. Can I confess now that it's like post? I'm gonna recap. <laughs> like 
I thought I was going to walk out of there, you know, like half-baked, you know, like, you know, Chappelle and his gang, like, yo, talking to horses, you know what I'm saying? Feeding snacks to the police horses, you know what I'm saying? You remember the movie. And and no, that wasn't the case. I was euphoric. I also made strong bonds that evening. You're absolutely right because we all experienced this together and there was nothing like the moment where something was served and nobody, like all conversation halted. You could have been in the best conversation. It could have been like, right. So I actually have a third arm and I store it in my, oh, wait, the food's here. (laughs) Then the food is served. All eyes are on the food. No one's talking. And then we all recollect. We all get together again after. Or actually, no, I'm lying. There's another step. There's that, oh my God. And we all look at each other like, oh my God. Mm. Like, it's so good. Like, mmm. Okay. So confession. All right. A few confessions. Uh, Chef Miggs and I spoke about my food allergies. And I also told him that I'm not necessarily allergic to seafood, but I just don't partake. Me in the sea, like I'll swim in you sea, but that's all I can see. That's you know all what you want to see. That's all I want to see. So he told me, he's like, there's going to be seafood on the menu. And I want to read you this menu because I have it in front of me. It's amazing. Um, and, and I tasted everything. And I ate seafood that evening because it tasted so good and it didn't taste like seafood. Mm. Um, I also left again feeling (laughs) like I wanted more. I was so sad that the meal ended. True talk. And it was like a thousand courses. Like, don't get it twisted. Uh, (laughs) Courses kept coming out. No, courses kept coming out. And it was like another course. So things like pea soup with canna cheese and caviar. Damn. Yo, 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 what up, y'all? It's your boy, Jay Ferns, Um, and it's only me. This is weird. I feel like I hear my echo. Hello, 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 hello. hello. Um, That's because um, Rachel and Frank, uh, they're sitting this one out because we've been having our individual favorite episode of the year shows, and this is mine. Um, It was tough because this was a a season that we had a lot of really great interviews uh, with a lot of different people. There's a lot of runner-ups basically on this list, but I did finally choose one. Uh, It took weeks and weeks, but I finally got there. And so um, this episode is with Kim Garland, who is one of the writers for the Chucky TV show. Now, if you know Chucky is the little doll that, you know, uh, kills people. Um, so, <laughs> but this was not like a violent uh, interview. This was a very, Kim Garden is a very like chill person. Um, and it was a lot of fun. And I was nerding out. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm a big fan of horror movies. A uh, big fan of the Chucky series. And the series itself uh, of movies got crazier, a little too crazy for me. You know, he ended up having a girlfriend and then he had kids and it was a whole Chucky family. And I'm like, all right, I'm good. Um, but the first couple ones were really good. And then and then now this TV show and Kim Garland came on, graciously came on. We started talking. Um, unfortunately, Rachel was not in this episode. And I was kind of nervous uh, for this episode. I was like, oh, what are we going to do? Because, you know, just Rachel is kind of the... She's the person that she's, she's the perfect kind of like, she has the perfect intros. She kind of gets the ball rolling 
And then I started, you know, anytime she's on an episode, I, my, my palms get sweaty and my voice starts cracking like I'm going through puberty. And then, you know, but me and Frank, you know, we got our heads together. We were like, yo, let's do this. And me being such a nerd about Chucky and horror movies, I think got me through the show because I went, I started like guns blazing right away. I was like, yo, so tell me, what are the craziest kills that Chucky does in the TV show? You know, I started just asking a question. Frank was all like, yo, but like, you ever had a doll that like came to, you know, that you were scared of when you were a kid? Like we were just like hitting it. Like it was like tennis, you know, question after question. So Kim was really, and she was like, yo, that's a good question. That's a good question. So I'm pretty sure um, she enjoyed herself too. Um, and those are the best interviews, the ones where, you know, the guests really enjoyed themselves. And I feel like most of our interviews are like that. You know what I mean? And the ones that are not is the guest's fault. But anyways, um, this is the one that I chose. Um, so yeah, if you're into horror movies, if you're into, uh, you know, dolls that murder people. Oh, and she's Latina from Hell's Kitchen. So that's another element to it that was pretty cool. Hell's Kitchen which is already kind of a perfect place to be from since she's like writing a horror, a horror series. And uh, I think we teased her about that too. And now she's in LA, you know, you know, we lose a lot of talented people for the New Yorkers that end up going to the West Coast, but she's still an East Coaster at heart. And it was a really good episode. Me and Frank held it down. Um, definitely miss Rachel in this. So I'm pretty sure um, a lot of our listeners are going to be like, I wish Rachel was in this episode, but um, it ended up being a really fun one. And it's really interesting also for TV writers. And as someone, you know, who's a writer and stuff like that, uh, I really learned, you know, I learned a lot of cool stuff too about just the TV business and the writer's rooms um, that, you know, her writer's room and what, you know, how they kind of were pitching stories and stuff like that. So anyways, check out the episode now and um, I hope you enjoy it because I sure did. So we have a great interview right now. This interview, it, we're doing this interview without one of our co-hosts, Rachel La Loca, um, unfortunately. But um, she usually gives like the best intros. And so um, anytime that she's not here for an interview, it falls on me to try to recreate her, one of her intros. So I'm going to try right now. This is what she usually says for an intro. So here we go. All right. What's up, Eloeros? We have someone here that is absolutely amazing. <laughs> Okay, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome writer, director, Kim Garlands. Yeah. Hello, hello. That was a good intro. That was hey. a good intro. Yeah. Did I pronounce it right? Did yeah. it, was it, is it Gar? Am I stre- did I, should I stress land more? You know, Gar? It's my married Kim. name, so we're probably good. You okay. know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking anything personal on a married name, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> and I should have said straight out of Hell's Kitchen. Straight Word. out of Hell's Kitchen. Um, because shout out Hell's Kitchen. And let me just say pre-gentrified Hell's Kitchen, not to be too specific, oh. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. New Yorkers know. New Yorkers know. You survived Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they cleaned it up and threw me out. So, you know, it's like typical New York. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You're just missing a lot of Thai restaurants. Yeah, that's, that? <laughs> when I left, I left four years ago. When I left, it was so many. Now, don't get me wrong. The Thai restaurants are excellent. But like every. like Yeah. No, yeah. I love Thai restaurants. Us. There's just one in every block. Every it's like a Starbucks and a Thai restaurant. Every single so, block, yep. Um, and also Boricua, right? Yes, Boricua. yes, yes. Uh, both oh, both, both my parents. Here, so. um, actually, my folks were born in the city in New York. So was I. But we're like grand, 
parents who came over like in the 50s, like real classic Puerto Rican story. And then so I grew up in Hell's Kitchen and partly in the South Bronx. So my, my folks were divorced. And so I did the every other weekend um, in, in my dad's house. And so that was the South Bronx. So like me and the D train oh. were like tight growing up. <laughs> wow. So Hell's Kitchen, yep. right? It, to the, to South, the Bronx, South Bronx, which some people might be like Hell's Living Room. I don't know. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> it depends the neighborhood, obviously. Hell, That's also that's been true. gentrified, though. It would so be like Hell's gentrified. Sunken Living Room. Like all the like apartments <laughs> in the Bronx, like they rock that sunken living room hard. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, there are probably couches on the street. Yeah. You know, I live up in Washington Heights. <laughs> so we got we got living rooms on the street. You know wow. what I'm saying? It's true. It's true. You know, there's birthday parties going I know. on. Right? Down, down That's the block, how some people so. go shopping and I don't blame them. Until we got like the crazy <laughs> bed bugs in New York. Like once that Oh my once god. That, oh. Remember that? Like we went through a period and I don't even know if it's still but like we went through a period when the bed bugs were so bad, like you would actually look at that street furniture and be like, damn, I shouldn't. I know I should. <laughs> you just stand there every time you visit somebody. I'm just stand. I'm good over here. I know. Here. You're like, it's made of wood. Um, Am I safe? You know, but yeah. Bed bugs? No. no. I mean, it, it, bed bugs, it was like you found out someone had bed bugs. I mean, it, it was it was worse than finding out someone Somebody got COVID, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it would be real. Like, at least it's like I could wear a mask with bed bugs. If I got that shit, like, I got I to... Gotta, I gotta burn all my clothes and uh, burn my sheets. You gotta say goodbye to that friend. That's just the hard truth. Like you know, it's it's like leprosy of your house. Like you get bed bugs. I'm like, it was really nice knowing you, but I'm gonna have to roll. You know. (laughs) Oh my god. Well, okay. Okay. So we're having fun. We like to just get, you know, get the guests like laughing and chilling. You know, vibing with us. But we want to know exactly who kim garland is right <laughs> um first of all you're writing before we get Please. to this we want to tell everybody you are writing on sci-fi's new chucky tv series exactly Ooh. that's why i am here okay. yeah yeah this is why you're wow. here mm-hmm. we want to because i'm a horror movie Ooh, fan nice nice um and the fact that they're making a, t- a tv series of this just blew my mind and the fact that we have you on the show to talk about it is insane awesome yeah um so but i, I want to you know, give us a quick um just kind of like how you started uh, as a writer. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. like I said, uh, born and raised in New York, Hell's Kitchen, and my family owned the local funeral home. So I grew up above my family's funeral home in Hell's Kitchen. And so, you know, it, it was kind of like any family business. Like, let's say our family owned a bodega or something. Like, everyone pitches in, everyone's, you know, that's how family business works. And that's how the funeral home was in terms of like, you know, our washer dryer was in the back of the funeral home in the embalming room, stuff like that. So it was like just a very like blended life, death, domesticity. Everything was just like right there, one package. And so it's not a big surprise that like I, I developed a taste for the macabre, for like for things that are dark and spooky. And, you know, it's just it was yeah. always kind of in my life. And, and, and I feel like I had like enough distance to be able to see that it was weird and fun, but also have it be so normal for me that like, you know, you bring a friend, you're like, they want to go see the funeral home, like all that kind of stuff. Like, so, so like one of the things, like a lot of kids called me like Morticia growing up, which totally makes sense. You know, it's like the whole, like, (laughs) you know, she was kind of like had this spooky home life kind of thing. Um, and then as a kid, honestly, I just I loved movies, TV, all kinds of storytelling things. But um, but I think like a lot of people like I saw the actors and I didn't really understand the whole behind the scenes or anything like that. And so I thought if you want to be a part of that, like you should become an actor. So I tried 
kind of like the acting thing, like, you know, right out of high school, like all that, you know, that kind of thing you do in New York. And it just really wasn't a great match. But what, what I was able to discover there is that it is it was really writing and storytelling, just kind of big picture that I was really excited about. So when I went to college for like fiction, for creative writing, um, and I started off in book publishing. I worked at Random House in New York. I was totally doing like, you know, the nine to five thing, like, you know, very working girl. Mm, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and it just somehow was never quite the right match. So there was like, you know, you do like your job during the day, but at night I was like going to the movies, watching my shows, you know, doing all that stuff. And I finally got to the point where I was like, why don't I just take a shot at, you know, the writing stuff, which I love, but try doing it for the screen. So either, you know, the big screen or the little screen or whatever, you know, and that was just like this incredible moment. And I feel like I found my home. I found my voice, you know, like one of those things to talk about in writing. Um, I worked in New York, uh, like crewing, being on like film crews and stuff. I worked at MTV for a while. I like did everything I could in New York to like get my career going. Um, and then yeah. four years ago, I kind of had one of those come to Jesus moments where I was like, it's not quite happening at the pace I want. And I, and I really believed I was like, I just, I need a push. So I moved out here to LA and I gotta, I gotta give LA props, like little sidebar, like as a native New York, everyone's like, you're going to hate it. Oh my God, girl, you're going to hate being in LA. (laughs) It's beautiful. And I love it. I don't know what people are talking about. So so what it is, and this is the thing, it's nothing like New York. And that's part of the beauty, like born and raised in New exactly. York. I know all the New York stuff. Like, you know, I've been there, done that. And it is wonderful. And there's no comparison on earth. But what's so great about being in L.A. now is it's just so totally different. Um, but in a good way, like the people are super nice. Like, you know, it's just a lot of the great stuff from New York. But it's like, you know, you're outdoors all the time. Like, you know, I grew up like everything was you're dark. You're hiking. Everybody that Every- I know that moves to L.A., they start hiking right away. I'm like, well, since when do you hike? It <laughs> seems like what happened to you? Why do you hike? But it's kind of like yeah. if you take a New Yorker and you lift them off the city streets and you put them on the side of a mountain, what are they going to do? They're just going to start walking. They're just going to start. Right. <laughs> we are natural walkers. So, yeah, so that's it's totally true. one of those things. Yeah, you're totally going to hike and you're going to love it because it's actually yeah. really beautiful. Um, so I got out here and I was like doing my thing, trying to figure out, you know, how, how to get work, how to make a living doing this. Um, I ended up getting into this kind of writing program out here that I applied to. And it was through that program that they got me a manager. I was able to get a manager and then bah, then oh. everything kind of took off for me from there. And like I had one of those experiences where, you know, I get into this program and I go from you know, not being able to work enough professionally for that to be my first job, you know, so I'm working, I'm doing other work. And then in like two months, I'm in a, in a writer's room, in the Chucky room. And it was, people wow. say sometimes it happens really wow. fast. It was, it was like whiplash and, and it, and it, it was just like holding on. And honestly, one of the things that really helped me was going right into a, a horror TV writer's room because at least I felt really yeah. comfortable with the horror part. Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm good there. Everything else I got to figure out on the job. But I, I yeah. felt like, okay, I know the, I know the, sh- you know, the world of the show. And, I, you know, I can figure everything else out, all the politics or, you know, whatever. Just, even though telling the Chucky room was, was easy. These are, like, awesome people. <laughs> Kim, did you, uh, to do this project, did you have to watch uh, some of the old Chuckies? All uh, of them? Yep, yep, yeah. yep, totally. Okay, so... I'll admit, and I've totally, I'm totally been admitting, <laughs> I liked Chucky, but I wasn't like obsessed with Chucky before. I'd seen, I, I didn't see them in order. I saw like a few of them scattered throughout the years, right? 
But when this interview came up, I was like, all right, girl, you're going to have to sit down and you're going to start with movie number one and you're going to go through movie number <laughs> seven, back to back to back to wow. back in a weekend. So that it's like, I just took it all in. And it was a journey. I will tell you that you sit down and watch one <laughs> to wow. seven. You were, you were on a roller coaster ride of storytelling right there. Just so impressed. Every genre you could have is in the franchise. Like so many different characters. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually an incredible experience. It was so fun. And then I was like, wow, like what a world that this is now. I have to watch all the Chucky movies to go on a job interview. Like that's when you know you're like fig- <laughs> figuring out life when you're like, that's my job. Um, so yeah, so I watched them all and it was, and I, and I loved it. I really did. And obviously yeah. they're all, they're, you know, like the first three are almost like a trilogy. Like that's almost fair to say the first three are kind of like a trilogy. And then, and then like by, by the time you get to like Bride of Chucky, like, like you're moving into a whole new starting to, to more towards horror comedy and, and satire yeah. and really just like expanding the genres that Chucky can play in, which I think is something mm-hmm. people underestimate a little bit. Like everyone's like, I like this or I like that or I like this and do, don't quite understand to appreciate that the fact that Chucky has been down this road of so many different genres like, brother can do anything at this point. Like, he drops one-liners that, like, will challenge Freddy Krueger kind of thing. Oh, hell and yeah. Same, yes. Oh, yeah. And, yes. and I love Freddy. Don't, don't get me wrong. But, and at the yeah. same time, like, he, he can be dark and mysterious. And maybe the creepiest Chucky is probably, like, when he's in doll mode in the room and the people in the room don't know. Chilling, and the yeah. audience is sitting there. We're like... I don't know how you're going to go down, but you're going down. Like, there's just no way you're getting Mm. out of that one. (laughs) Did you have like a doll? Like, you know, obviously, like, you know, I had the my buddy, right? That everybody kind of looks at the my buddy as kind of like the real version of that. And it would just always just look really still with the overalls and just like the weird smile. And I'm like, yo, why did my mother get me this? Like, I don't like this doll staring at me as I sleep. Now, did you have a doll of your own? Like, that was like. That's a great, great question. Um, I don't think I had like creepy dolls like you know i had some barbie dolls as a little girl nothing like super scary but but in the dark all the doll even the cute dolls look like (laughs) but what messed me up is like when i was little i saw that movie poltergeist and that that boy with the clown in his room so yes yes so yeah i think after that like i don't know why people have dolls in their room like at some point it's like like i have a little baby yoda in here and i'm like "Mm." (laughs) i I think i'm okay but that's about like a little plush baby yoda i could probably take if it came to life and tried to take me out but short of that yeah (laughs) baby Yoda. yeah at night it's just a a weird green creature with black meaty eyes right it's just not it's not cute anymore so you put on the sleep Uh, mask and you're like forget it (laughs) Hello, hello, heroes. How you doing? This is Frank Nibs. This is my episode for like my favorite episode, okay, out of like all my episodes, guys. And it's the immersive uh, Frida Kahlo um, uh, exhibit that was going on. And it was a gentleman by the name of Vicente Fusco who we had on. And he blew my mind away because I went to the Van Gogh one and it blew me like away. And if, you know, if you're an artist of any kind, this is like the new phenomenon okay this is all digital i mean imagine like a painting all around you ceiling uh walls the floor i mean the music is immersive i mean you feel the beats of the actual music going through your veins and your body so i had never experienced it and uh, this guy came on and he was talking about this frida kalo exhibit and he was talking about the interlings and what goes behind the scenes in terms of the technology and what it takes to actually pull off something like this production wise you guys know i love production so 
it was so educational. It was so mind blowing because I've kind of always foreseen that this is going to happen in the future. And this guy kind of in his company, I forgot the name of his company in the in the interview. You hear about it and he breaks it all down. You know, it's very intricate. You need um, cooling systems because it's computers and um, and, you know, this is all, you know, visuals and it creates a lot of heat. So it was very interesting. And I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. And thank you very much, Aloeros. Have a good one. Thank you. And you are with the uh, Lighthouse Immersive. That is the company. And this is also, these are the people behind Van Gogh, the Immersive Van Gogh exhibit. Exactly. That was here in New York. That was a really exciting thing. And I want to just read verbatim um, here what it says in the release. The folks at Lighthouse Immersive say that the goal is to give the viewers more than an examination of her work. They also hope that they will leave with a richer understanding of the smart, complex woman who created these timeless masterpieces. I'd like to know, how will the viewer experience this? Can you explain that to us? Yes, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, uh, explain what uh, the immersive art space is. Uh, that's very important because it's a new way to experience art. Uh, we have uh, transformed beautiful buildings and beautiful... Um, they weren't venues before we got in there. They're, they're really buildings that we took on and transformed into venues. Um, but when we were launching Van Gogh, so that that took a lot of um, time and effort. But now we have these amazing structures that are immersive art hubs, and by that I mean these are massive spaces with with twenty five thousand square feet and uh, thirty foot high ceilings. So people get the chance to walk into these massive spaces and see beautiful art being projected uh, throughout the walls and throughout the floor. Uh, accompanied by beautiful music and uh, they're having the opportunity to just experience art in a different way, in a new way. The, the feeling you get when you're walking into these venues and seeing art, it's different from going to a concert and it's different to going to the movies and it's different to listening music, right? All of these ways of experiencing art have their own feel. Uh, and we believe this is a new, exciting way to experience art in its, in its own right. And um, we're doing it now with the whole Frida Kahlo, not only the Frida Kahlo uh, artist, but Frida Kahlo the person. So uh, we're super excited. Vicente, so my next question to you is, okay, you've done Van Gogh. I'd love to know the decision-making process behind selecting Frida as the next subject for this immersive exhibit experience. Yeah, it's a great question. When we were looking for, you know, the next thing, you know, what path do we want to take? When one analyzes Frida Kahlo as, as, as a person, her life, everything that's happened, everything that happened to her, the empowerment she represented, how she was so ahead of her time, every single stage of her life has a, a, a climax point, right? There's There was so much going on with her from, from all the suffering uh, at a young age um, to how she's started out as a painter, which was in fact recovering from, from a terrible accident, to meeting Diego Rivera, one of the most iconic artists of, in the world at that time, and today, of course, but uh, at that time, he was really uh, top-notch. Um, what their marriage was like, it's like, wow, it, it's a whole thing. It could be a show on its own, the Frida and the Diego marriage. 
um, on his. Oh, I love so. that concept. Ooh, <laughs> I may have to write something like that. Ooh. Exactly. So there was so much going on that we thought that it would be so great to have take advantage of this format that we have, the immersive art format, and it would be super interesting to showcase not only her art but her pain. What would her pain feel like with this? massive format and this new way of experiencing art so that was something that really drove us and uh, of course it's a collective decision right between our team right our, our artistic creators producers and our guys in social like guys in media our ticketing it's a big collaboration but uh frida was a very unanimous decision right? it, it, it was an easy unanimous decision and everybody was on board with the concept and we got to work and then what does that mean? You got to work. Did you? Because I envision like, you know, all the police shows, they put all the like culprits or, or all the defendants, all the people they want to interview on a board. And then there's like a laser pointer and they're like, oh, we're going to go after this guy. Like, I just imagine a boardroom filled with her artwork and everyone just calling out what needs to be elevated through this exhibit. Um, please tell me I'm wrong. Uh, but tell me what was that process like? How did you pinpoint exactly what to put on display? through this immersive experience? Yeah, well, that part of, of it is 100% Massimiliano Sicardi's work. So Massimiliano is, in our view, as, as, as show producers, he's one of the geniuses of immersive art in the world. We are so happy, proud, and, and honored to have him be the creator of, of the shows that we're presenting in our hubs. Um, but that being said, he is the sole genius behind what do I want to show? How do I want to show it? What point of view do I want to have um, showcasing in, 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 in this art space? He, he could have just said, listen, I'm just going to work with, with the artworks and, and, and music, which would be fantastic in its own right. But he wanted to go beyond that. He, he really, and he really did. He, uh, the show really represents what Mexico was like in the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, from a social standpoint, from a political standpoint, uh, there's there's notes of the revolution. Uh, there's notes of uh, Trotsky, the, uh, the communist that was that was a guest in Frida and Diego's house. Uh, so Masino really went beyond the art. He really wanted to dive into the person. And the pop icon, really, because all of these things that Frida was back then really helped. She wouldn't be the icon she was. Maybe she would, right? Who, who's to say? But if it was just the art, maybe she wouldn't be the amazing um, icon that she is today. And there's so much more to her art, the empowerment, the, the, the gender equality that was she always fought for. Again, at a time and age where this was in nobody's radar. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. On that note, we out. <laughs>